Hey Rob, just off the Vuelta, we've had the World Championships since we were last on as well, perhaps the biggest, billed as the biggest uh, in history. Uh, talk us through it, Rob, start at the road race. Yeah, so road race, men and women's uh, massive events, all uh, UCI World Championships, all cycling World Championships together, everything from BMX, mountain biking, all in the UK, all in Glasgow and kind of like Scotland um, this year, so massive event and uh yeah, I think it came off really well. Uh, men's road race, big, a very interesting course. Brought in a little bit of criticism, but personally, I liked it. Bit of UK bias there, but yeah, traditionally much longer laps for a course. This one very short lap, or a crazy amount of corners, crazy amount of corners, almost similar to a UK crit race like the Tour Series. Um, but yeah, I think it put on a fantastic race. Great value for the people of Glasgow. Um, he got to watch it on the circuit. And uh, yeah, very explosive race and ultimately drew out a um, very deserving podium uh, and winner in Matthew van der Poel. Absolutely. What were your thoughts when van der Poel went with about 40k to go? Oh, I thought, well, at the time, um, yeah, I've, well, I, at one point I thought Alberto Bettiol had it, to be honest, he put in a great attack and, you know, he's one of those guys who turns up on form like once every two years sort of thing. I think the last time he turned up Tour of on Flanders great form, uh, yeah, Tour of Flanders winner that came out absolutely nowhere, absolutely incredible ride. And then uh, Tokyo Olympics, he was on quite an insane level as well and then yeah, you can just go missing for a year, pretty much, in my opinion. But he looked amazing. His uh, cornering was amazing. But yeah, when Van der Poel went, it was it was just another level. And um, yeah, you know, we've seen Wow was maybe the one in the group who was expected to challenge him. But I think we've seen repeatedly this year and in previous years, like in these longer races, he he doesn't have that top level. And you know, Van der Poel, he just he just targets. He just it's pretty. He's pretty. This year, he's pretty much only performed in like races over 220k, um, which is really weird. He just seems on quite a low level a lot of the year, and then these big target races like Roubaix, Flanders, and San Remo, he's just just on another level. Pagacha also in this group, coming off the back of the uh, coming off the back of the tour, which you know. He, he sort of definitely faded in the last week, more one day crack, but he's definitely fading in the last week. He he wasn't quite on the level of uh Matthew. Matthew was on an insane level, to be honest. Um and then a big crash, a big crash. Uh I I wanted Vanderpool to win even before the race. I don't don't quite understand why I wanted him to win. He crashed, broke his shoe. Um the uh, one of the bowers came off and I thought, oh so sad to see a guy lose a race like that. You know, he's got Mads Pedersen, Tali Fregaccia and Wout Van Aert or Jason behind. If you've had a crash and you got, well, pretty much three out of the four best classics riders in the world chasing you down, you got no chance. But um, he held them off and put another minute 30 into them. It was insane. Absolutely was, insane. I think he played it very, very smart. The, the, it looks like r- road racing has changed completely in the last couple of years where the attacks are going from earlier and earlier and uh, this was no different. But uh, I guess... He is. He played it in such a way that he knew those behind him. Well, he gambled, I guess, but he knew those behind him weren't going to work together in order to bring him back. So, yeah, I'd, you talk about Van Aert not being on the same level, but I think if they worked together behind, they would have caught him, right? Oh, I thought that 
they, yeah, they didn't work. It wasn't a free time trial as such. But I thought they, they worked a lot better than I expect. I mean, like, they still... No, but the course like, suited Vanderpool, whereby, you oh, know, you sure. mentioned the you corners. You, yeah, you couldn't... You couldn't was, write yeah. a better course of Vanderpool. Um, for sure, yeah, I agree with you there. Yeah, so, yeah, but my heart was in my mouth when he crashed and, yeah, you, you didn't know what was going to happen because, obviously, with, with much of TV, actually, you can't... Although they give a time gap, they're not always accurate. And um, right. yeah, there was just too much going on. And uh, but he, as you said, he picked it back up and rode away. Although it was his to win from a long way out, it was still a great, great world championships. I thought. Yeah, I thought it was fantastic. I love watching it. I mean, the Danish went mental, started kicking it off with like over a hundred k to go. It's is a fantastic watch for me. And yeah, I think a lot of lot of quite knowledgeable and respectable people in the sport complaining about it but i certainly liked it and um yeah maybe not every world championship needs to be like this but definitely not a problem having having a course like that every once in a while in my opinion so yeah and van Ott coming in second and pogacar third if i weren't if i'm not mistaken yeah terrible uh tactics from mads pedersen le- leading it out from absolute miles away um and yeah pretty Pretty embarrassing for a world-class sprinter to get out-sprinted by a Tour de France winner. Obviously, Pagat just got a very strong sprint, but Patterson just played that so tactically bad. I think I think he, you know, he's obviously tired at the end of the race, but he should. Uh, I think he should be annoyed at himself for throwing away third place there. To be honest, absolutely. And then over to the time trial, uh, Van der Poel taking it away. Uh, I just want to touch on Ghana for a second. What? What seems to be going going wrong? He of course broke or smashed a world time trial record, uh, sorry, the hour record. But not much has gone his way. In fact, he's become more of a sprinter since. Yeah, it's really weird, and it's more. I don't know. I I don't know. I'm really losing a lot of faith. Anyway, who's ever in charge in the performance staff at Ineos? Like, I don't get what they're doing with Ghana. Like, how can a guy who's Probably the biggest target of his year has to be a 40 minute, like an hour long or whatever it was, time trial, which is just slugging away lots of sweet spot efforts. Obviously, he was going for the world IP as well, which is a four minute effort, but he, he didn't perform great in that. He only just beat Dan Bigham. Um, and no offense to Dan Bigham, like, obviously, it's fantastic he's performed at that level, but mm-hmm. again, as a million times more talented and supposedly should be just as aero. Um, and then how I just don't get how someone who's training specifically for an hour long time trial, then randomly just slips into the role, accidentally slips into the role of sprinter at the Vuelta. Like how's his sprint so good? Like is this guy just doing tons of sprints on a road bike in preparation to win the world time trial championships? Like it just, it just doesn't make much sense to me. I don't know what training there, but it just doesn't make any sense to me. And it's not like he won that time trial either. So I just, I, I don't really get it, to be honest. Like, they're like, if you're going to improve your 40 minute power, your sprint should suffer. Yeah. That would be my understanding of the training. I don't know what sort of training you do, which improves both, to be honest. Like, yeah, maybe lifting some weights, but. I, yeah, it just seems weird to me. I don't get what sort of rider they're trying to make him. 
admittedly the level at the um welter for the sprints was low but uh, he was he was probably the third fastest sprinter there yeah it's just really weird with Ghana what they're doing with him he's become quite a good classics rider like uh, Roubaix he was good at uh Milan San Remo he's good and then he was good I mean he was very impressive at um world time trial champs but in my opinion Ineos um, are either first or second now behind UAE in their time trial setup. I think Dan Bigham's done a fantastic job on a lot of other riders, but doesn't seem to be really improving. Ghana, if anything, he's taken a step back. And yeah, it's a shame. Still a great performance for him coming second, but yeah. What do you, what do you think, think about about the fact that Ineos are struggling across the board? So perhaps he's seen, I don't know, uh, an opportunity uh, to give other things a go, whereas previously he was known as, you know, right, you stick to TTs, we've got everything else covered. Um, and now maybe his head's turned a little bit. He's seeing, he knows TT isn't, he's not going to be champ all the time. Um, he's got a massive competitor in Remco and others. And uh, so perhaps he's thinking, I don't know, give give other stuff a go. What do you think about that? Maybe, but in your never really had a sprint. I mean, they signed Viviani, but I presume on quite low money and he's never really materialised for the team. I mean, Dan has signed with Ineos till 27, so he's not going anywhere for a long time. Um, and then, well, I don't I didn't think this Welter was the time for him to start to try and be a sprinter because initially they're going there with Tymon Aronsman and Geraint Thomas as fairly legitimate GC contenders. Um, and we saw at first in the earlier stages, in the sprint stages, he was actually shepherding Geraint, um, like in the sprint stages to make sure he didn't crash. He wasn't competing in them himself. And then and then when they had like nothing to do, then he started racing in them. Um, so, yeah, I, I just, I don't think he planned to go in there to be a sprinter, to be honest. Uh, and listening to the Geraint Thomas podcast, I don't, I'm not convinced he was either. He just ended up sort of doing it. Um so yeah, I don't, I don't really, I don't get it. If he wants to transition to being a sprinter again, I think it's an interesting one. I don't think Ineos is the place to be a sprinter, and given he's signed there till twenty twenty seven, it seems interesting. And for Ineos as well, I don't get why you try and transition Ghana into a sprinter. Maybe transfer him into a classics rider, which means he has to have a sprint. If you want him to win Roubaix, yes, he has to have a sprint, but. Yeah, I know. It all seems very weird to me, Ghana's performance and also season. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But it's, yeah, I don't know. I think time will tell what he ends up specialising in and what Ineos do for next season because they've actually released a bunch of riders, haven't they? I'm not sure who's released yet. They definitely have a lot of riders who they've not re-signed. Oh, yeah, I guess, yeah, a lot of riders have actually gone, to be honest. Like, uh, well, Sivakov. I think actually other than Sivakov, he's actually gone. Teo. Oh, yeah, Teo. I mean, uh, neither... I mean, Teo was looking fantastic at the Giro. I doubt ever going to be a a tour winner at Ineos, but yeah, he's gone. I think they've messed themselves up by trying to buy Remco in some really weird deal Um, because they seem to think Remco's the answer to all their problems and yeah, he is probably the guy in the market who, if Ineos buy, is most likely to win the tour. But 
yeah, I mean, he was he's always been signed in on a very long term contract with um with Quickstep. Um, so it seemed very impossible to get him at the start. I think Ineos tried to just buy the whole of Quickstep, yeah. and maybe part of the reason why they haven't been re-signing riders is because they were going to merge the two teams. But now they were meant to like sign Tobias Foss, they're meant to sign Carlos Verona. Now those guys are going elsewhere, and now probably uh, the guys like Garen Thomas, who doesn't have, a, I believe, doesn't have a contract yet. No, I think he did. He well. signed another year, didn't he? I think. Has he? Yeah, I, I, if I remember correctly, he was he was expecting to be at the tour again next year. On uh, um, on pro, yeah, maybe on pro cycling stats, he's not down yet. Okay. Uh, in Ineos 2024, they've only got 15 riders for 2024 so far, and they should have 30. And um, yeah, I think they're in a bit of a pickle, to be honest. I don't really know. Obviously, they probably have a lot of their own riders left to sign still, but yeah, I I don't know what they're doing. I think I think some I, I in my opinion, some background staff need to go at Ineos. If I was if I was Jim Ratcliffe, I'd be. I'd be getting pretty brutal and probably sacking some people there because I don't get what they're doing. If they're still the second, if like they're still in the top three richest teams, they're not doing well, in my opinion. But but yeah. Speaking of Ineos and future, what's happening? Um, third was uh, Josh Harding, actually. Uh, young talent, actually the youngest competing in the time trial this year. And uh, coming away with third, um, a great result for the Brit lad. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously criticised any of us a lot, but yeah. obviously, yeah, Josh Tarling, great signing. Um, yeah, came third. Well, won the uh, World Time Trial Championships as a junior last year. So, in in a way, quite an easy sign. Um, but yeah, clearly, just done some crazy time trials this year. Looks like his junior year is not so much to talk about on the road in terms of performances or results, but time trials are crazy. And, you know, from fresh, also won the European Championships. Uh, looks like they've made him a lot more aero in between the World Championship yes. yeah, and yeah. the um, European Championships. Don't quite understand how they hadn't done a full aero optimization on him before Worlds because. Um, there were some people who were quite knowledgeable who were tiffing in for a podium, even though I, 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 I thought it was a load of rubbish, to be honest, that Tarling could podium the World TT until he did podium the World TT, but there were people calling it, and yeah, fair play to them. Um, but yeah, they, sh- they should have optimised him before the Worlds. He was, if you look at his his bar extensions, like just like commercial ones, you probably, I guess you could probably buy for about 500 pounds. And then the Europeans, it sounds like his condition wasn't as good, but his aero optimization was so good. He, he, he sort of smashed Van Art and Bissiger, to be honest. So, yeah, Olympics next year, presumably the Paris uh, TT course will be flat. And um, yeah, I don't think you could even argue he's, he could start as favorite, to be honest, um, ahead of. Um, Remco and Ghana, um, because he'll be another year older, another year stronger. He'd have been the youngest guy 
I think, in the uh, under-23 European time trial champ. So okay, yeah. he'll be improving with age uh, crazy. So, yeah, don't be surprised if he wins the Olympics next year, I think. He was still some way off Remco uh, and Garner, to be honest. But um, yeah. he, he put plenty of time in McNulty, Van Aert, although Van Aert probably had an eye on the road race. Um, Rowan Dennis, uh, he managed to beat defending champion Tobias Foss, put more than a minute on Thomas. So, yeah, he's he's definitely got talent and certainly more to come, really. Definitely, definitely. And uh, I'm, I'm struggling to see why uh, the likes of Kamna, Askreen didn't do so well. Stefan Kung, more than two minutes down. Yeah, Kung was a big surprise. I, I don't get... He seems to, when he's performing well in road races, his time trial seems bad. Um, so maybe he's just not been putting out in the hours on his time trial bike because, yeah, he came in a fantastic fifth place in the road race. So his, his legs were there on the road bike, but uh, not in the time trial. So, yeah, quite interesting there. Yeah, and um, who else? Yao Almeida, more than three minutes down. Yeah, 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 he's poor. Pogaccia, very poor as well. Yeah, um, but like I said, him and Van Aert were probably probably there just to make up numbers, really. Just, I don't know, with an eye for the road race. They both were at the pointy end, weren't they? Whereas time Rem- trial was after Rem- the road race. Um, oh, well, they smashed themselves in the road race, rather. Probably, and Rem- yeah, probably they just smashed themselves yeah. in the road well, race. Whereas Remco probably rather had an eye for the TT and went easy. Yeah, yeah. 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 Fair enough. Sure, and then... Sure. Uh, over to the Vuelta then. Um, started off very, very hectic. And speaking of Remco, he wasn't very happy. No, uh, I feel with good reason. I was watching that race. I thought it'd be a great matchup between Ineos and uh, Jumbo Visma for the uh, team time trial win. And it was just chaos. It was so wet. Uh, the earlier starting teams, such as DSM, uh, it was still wet for them, but it was a lot drier. And importantly, um, not dark. It was definitely dark um, for Quickstep. And it, in my opinion, it was definitely a disadvantage for them. Uh, just, yeah, it, it shouldn't be like that. I think the, the organisers were dreaming of, you know, 90% of the time it's dry in Spain. It'll be a nice sunny sunset when Remco crosses the line. Um, but that just wasn't the case. It was dark and wet. The limited sunlight that was there was covered by clouds, and also what you know uh, for, for those based in the UK, when it sort of rains in a country like Spain, especially in a big city, um, you know where there's not often rain, and like diesel and petrol doesn't get washed off the roads. When it does, then rain, it just becomes incredibly slippy in comparison to what it would be like in the UK, um, and hence there are just a yeah, a lot of crashes. I think uh, Jake Oulula, I think, had uh, probably the most horrendous time. Eddie Dunbar, um, I think, almost, uh, if he wasn't hurt, it would be quite a funny clip because he just absolutely sends it into the final corners. Uh, just a ridiculous speed as if it, it would be a crazy speed if it was dry and just wipes out. Um I don't know what he was thinking. Um, and yeah, just a lot of crashes. Inyoshi losing a big rider in uh, Lawrence de Plus. Um, and yeah, I think Remco's anger was justified, to be honest. Um, you can't do anything about the conditions, about the weather, but you can do it about the time you set the riders off. And yeah, people shouldn't have been going off in the dark. 
saying that though, the uh, Remco was what six seconds off, uh, which is phenomenal considering. Yeah, it was a great performance by yeah Movistar as well. Oh, yeah, uh, just half a second off, which is which is madness. Yeah, so like their teams performed really well, but ultimately one of those two teams deserved the win. Um, and yeah, they, they didn't get it uh, in part due to the um, due to the dark. I feel so. So yeah, interesting, definitely. Yeah, and then over to stage two, more madness in the sense that things were well. The the finish was brought forward, and uh, the race was effectively neutralized. And yeah, uh, yeah just can continued the theme of of uh, <laughs> the beginning of the race, and uh, I guess uh, the whole race um, just culminated in the ending, whether Yumbo Visma would allow Sepkus to win or not. Yeah, very interesting. Um, I mean, Yumbo Visma ultimately had the three strongest riders in the race, um, especially once Remco sort of had his day when he absolutely popped. Um, yeah, pretty pretty spectacular implosion from Remco just couldn't even go with it on the first climb just one off day and then he seemed fine every other day I don't get what went wrong with him at all to be honest whether he just didn't sleep whether he had some severe emotional panic or something but yeah something clearly went very wrong they've not said what it was they said he wasn't ill and given his performance the following day um, yeah it doesn't seem like the case that he was ill but yeah, uh, back to the point, um, the three uh, Yumbo Visma riders were just so strong. Cus being allowed in a breakaway earlier in the race to get, uh, I think it was about a three-minute buffer, yeah. which is absolutely crazy. Granted, it's his third Grand Tour of the year, but he'd already looked strong in climbs to that race. And I, I don't know what UAE, well, UAE, UAE allowed it to happen because Mark Soler was also in said break. And he, like Cuss, I think I think Cuss is a better GC rider, even though he's never really ridden GC before. I think you should have expected him to be more likely to win the race than Soler. Um, but other teams like Movistar shouldn't have allowed it. And uh, Ineos weren't totally out of contention at the time either. They shouldn't have allowed it. Um, few other teams potentially also, well, uh, well, your Remco definitely shouldn't have allowed it. Quickstep shouldn't have allowed it. And yeah, I think Ultimately, that was the moment the race was won, potentially. Um, Sepkos getting in that breakaway and then, yeah, no one else other than his own teammates ever looked stronger than him after that. Sepkos, he, he, it was said very, like, he's always been the, if not one of the strongest uh, domestiques for a very, very long time. And he's been questioned several times whether he'd won GC. And he's... He's always replied anyway a few years ago. He was like, no, that's I, I don't want that limelight. Um, I'm just happy to do my job and that's that. Um, do you think then he wanted this? Uh, and uh, Or did it just, uh, he just like uh, fell in place and was like, right, let's, let's do it now. Because it's one thing when you've never been in the position to take it on and it's another when you're in the position right yeah for sure I, I very heavily doubt he came into this race planning on winning it he's always been a very loyal domestique and even on the first mountain stage where Remco won just let it out and then just sat up and just gave away like 20 seconds 
like for no reason, like you just soft pedal to the line at like a hundred watts, just to be like one percent better the next day, just to have that little bit more recovery. Even though he's he's proved, I think at the tour that he's probably the third best climber in this race, and uh, I think yeah, he's he's done enough in the past to the Jumbo Visma to give him. GC responsibility if he wants it, but I, I tend to believe him when he says he's never wanted it before. Um, but at this point, it was just he was gifted three minutes, and there was no one other than his own team and him who was stronger than him. Um, so yeah, he was absolutely the worthy winner of the tour, pretty much. And yeah, if you were the the if you were management, it's stage sixteen. Are you telling uh, Roglic and Vinger go to right away? Or are you telling them to stick? Uh, um, That's when so Vinger go won the stage. Sixteen when Vinger go won the stage. Yes, uh, and they rode away from him. Still interesting here at this point. No, I'm not planning on gifting Sepkus the welter. Um, absolutely not. I don't have faith um, that he will. Oh wow! You're the first. You're first to say that. Not on on stage sixteen, no. On the Angleru, yes. Halfway on the Angleru, um, yes. I'm backing Sepkus to win GC on stage sixteen when Jonas uh, jumped. Um, a, a, it was this is honestly uh, the worst tactics ever from UAE team Emirates. They they should Fisher Black should have sat on the front and just pulled on the flat. It was a flat section. So so Yona, on stage 16, Jonas attacks on a steep section. Uh, Finn Fisher Black, the domestic, chases him. And then there's a flat section. Everyone's looking around doing like 300 watts. Yeah. Like riders who aren't competitive at this level, at this stage of this Grand Tour, like Michael Storer and Vlasov are attacking. And like they're just gifting Jonas time. And Jonas at this point was the one of the Jumbo Visma riders who looked least likely to podium. Yeah, yeah. Um so I have no uh here it's made total sense for Jonas Vingegaard to attack to secure a podium place. It was insane how much time he was given. And the UAE uh sports director or if the the UAE sports director should face consequences from management. For it. It, it, I don't know if you saw it, Jay. It made no sense. So yeah, yeah, yeah. When I use so, yeah, Almeida and to some extent Mark, well, well, well no, uh, Almeida and Mark Salette are no longer in serious GC. Ayuso is in serious GC. And the two of them just sat there. Like yeah, Almeida, yeah. like six minutes down or something ridiculous, is just sitting there. Defending his like eighth place on GC, yeah, yeah, and just letting yeah, when I use his potential podium slash win become a lot less likely. It's just it's terrible. Like these guys are paid millions. This is like like UAE is probably like a thirty million a year organization, and to just like throw away potential performance outcomes like that is is this is just terrible in my opinion. Um, and yeah, so I don't think Yumbo did anything wrong. They just got. It looked like Jonas was attacking set, but in reality, he was just being gifted time by uh, UAE, in my opinion. But yeah, it was really weird. Stage sixteen. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, did you see stage 21? Stage 21, yeah, that was also insane. Um, Normally yeah. a, um, what, a procession to the finish, a celebration yeah. of the winners, but we were gifted to something completely different. Yeah, also I was yeah watching it. I think we all had a breakaway of Remco Evnepol, Felipe Ganna, Caden Groves, Tamna, and Nico Dens. And I remember thinking at the time that is the six strongest riders on the flat that could have possibly gotten away. I was trying to think of someone to sub in who'd be better than anyone, and maybe Kamla would be someone you might move out. But yeah, it's just such a formidable group, and uh, with Groves and Gana being in there, that's two of the top sprint sprinters who are like no longer going to pull, pull like Evan pull in there as well. Uh, so. Um, yeah, Quickstep wouldn't be pulling for Casper Pedersen anymore. And yeah, it was just, it was, it was crazy to see real nail bite at the end. I personally think Kamna should have started pulling with about 1k to go because I think Nico Dens had a decent chance. But yeah, in the end, Remco just jumped early and uh, yeah, that saved Caden Groves. He got the stage win. Um, I think Groves might have almost been strong enough to win it, even if they did get caught about 500 meters to go. Groves was just an incredible level. Um this um this Giro, oh, I think whoever's in charge of performance, Alperson especially in charge of coaching the sprinters and managing the performance of the sprinters, um, is like, you know, the teams are chasing after Remco and other young riders, like I think probably one of the most valuable people or the most valuable people in the world tour are probably the Alperson uh, sprint coaches, because yeah, they're just Groves and uh, Groves and uh, Philipson have just been on an insane level this year, and uh, yeah, a very well deserved third stage when I believe for Groves it was on stage twenty one. Who comes away then from the vote as as winners, and who comes away as losers? Uh, well, going back to Yumbo Visma like on the Angler Room, um, when obviously Primoz and Jonas dropped Cuss and severely put his GC at risk. Um, like they, uh, they when they dropped him, it was pretty much guaranteed they had a one, two, three on the podium. It just depended in which order. And then after that Angleru stage, Primos was interviewed saying pretty much they were going to race each other. Vingegaard was more conservative, but didn't I don't feel explicitly said they were going to ride for Cuss. Um, and then the next day, well, and then that evening they just basically. Jumbo Visma, they had a fantastic tour, but after stage 17, they were getting an awful lot of hate on like on social media. Yeah. Well, Roglic and um and uh Vingegaard. I think I obviously like hating on people on the internet is not really a good thing, but I think it was if I was close, I'd be very, very angry after that stage. And if Roglic was planning on racing me and the team were going to allow him to race me I I, I would I think Cuss would then look for a new team I, if I was Cuss I'd look for a new team after that because I'd see that as a massive betrayal given how much he sacrificed for those two as such a, a selfless domestique and obviously I think management sort of said that night they were going to let them race as well That's right. Yeah. and then it seemed like someone stepped in and said no uh we're probably going to be an incredibly hated team if we don't let Sepp Cuss win this tour. And also, 
he ate, because his contract ends in 2024, I feel he would have left the team after 2024 if they uh, attacked him and won the race sort of thing. Yeah. Um, which is another reason the management should say he wins that race because you the loyalty of Cuss for the um, for future races, namely the Tour de France, like the Welt is a big race, but the Tour is like probably three to five times bigger in terms yeah. of value and viewership, and probably maybe even more. Yeah, you know? I would imagine more. Yeah. Um, so you need him because he's such an integral part to the team for that race. Um, and, you know, there's going to be a lot of teams offering Cuss a lot of money even before this. It's still, it's still he'll probably stay at Jumbo Visma, I imagine, if they have close to the money other teams are offering. But that I feel he would have gone to another team if if they'd attacked him because I I feel the um the love for the uh, between him and the other GC riders wouldn't have been there after that, which would make it hard to do his job. So. So, yeah. Um, but also, another thing to factor into the equation uh, around who who should have been gifted the win out of the three Yumbo riders or who should have been able to try is that it's quite likely that Jonas and Roglic have, like, say, a base salary of probably like four, three and a half to six million or something like that. And then they probably have like a half million, a million pound bonus for like winning potentially a race like the Welter. So, like, if you're Rockledge and say you, your base is like 3.5 mil, but yeah. then you have a bonus of one mil for winning the Jira and then a bonus of one mil or whatever for winning the Vuelta, you might not want to just give away a million pounds sort of thing. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and so whether the team say, right, we'll compensate you with you know, half a mil, I think at the time, I don't think... I think um, I think after the Angler Rue, Roglic still had a very low chance of winning the race anyway. It would have been Vingegaard who could have won it if he wanted to. Um, so I assume those two have probably, I think, to keep everyone happy, would have been compensated in some way financially also, um, assuming those big bonuses are part of their contract, which I'd imagine they are. Yeah, and so... I don't know. It's, it's it's it's. I I feel like a lot of the hate was down to the fact that it, he's an American, and uh, a large part of the cycling industry uh, or media is American. So naturally, they want a they want a home champion. They haven't had one for more than ten years, I believe, a Grand Tour anyway. And um, yeah, it's it's interesting though, and uh, it should it's worth mentioning as well, Rob. Uh, Yumbo Visma did a sweep of all three Grand Tours not been done uh, before or not been done in a very long term I don't think it's been done before or perhaps they've never got first, second and third before one, two yeah, I, I don't know it's, it's, it's a crazy achievement either way and yeah Yumbo Visma I mean they've been challenged well other than this Welt I mean they were definitely challenged in the Tour and the Giro um, so it's not boring yet as such but yeah this team's Certainly dominant, and yeah, it's fantastic from the riders, but also you have to say fantastic from uh, the performance staff as well, like the coaches, the nutritionists, the aerodynamicists, and uh, I think also the DSs at Yumbo are pretty solid. I, I don't think they've 
done much wrong tactically uh, for a long time. Um, so, yeah, I think the whole team of Yumbo Visma is very impressive. Does it raise questions, Rob? Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> but, uh, well, yeah, I mean, I, but, yeah, it raises questions, but at the same time, I think any 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 elite any any elite sports person raises questions. Um, I don't think they raise questions any more than like a world championship boxer or anyone. To be honest, the ones the uh, if if anyone's raising questions, it was Bahrain victorious. The whole team seemed to gain about thirty watts in the last week, and now maybe that's just they've got they figured something out. Or it's part of their training, part of their preparation that everyone was going to be good in the third week. Uh, to me, that was, I'm, I'm not, I say most likely is that they they just did something good in their preparation or how they did their training camps that everyone would be better in the third week. But ultimately, Yumbo Visma probably just have the best coaches and the best um you know, the best aerodynamicist, the best nutritionist. They're probably just better at, um, at everything. And, you know, if there is doping taking place, and, you know, there's been papers published which prove that you can take, like, or you can you can micro-dope and not get caught. Like, that is proven science in journals that it is possible to micro-dope and get away with it. Um, so everyone might be doing it. No one might be doing it. Only Yumbo might be doing it. Only yeah. I might be doing it, but you know the rest of their training and nutrition so bad doesn't help them anyway. Um, so yeah, it, it, you just never know. You just never know. Obviously, the guy who wins is probably the guy most likely to be doping, but also the guy with the best performance star is also the guy most likely to be winning. So yeah, it's hard to tell. It's hard to tell, but uh, yeah, it raises questions. But if they're not getting caught, you they they. Innocent until proven guilty. Yeah. So, yeah, I well think they're, they're still innocent. So, well yeah. said, well said. And uh, we wind down the season. We've effectively got a Lombardia left and then a small race uh, in China. Uh, in Lombardia, who's, who are we looking at to win? Who's favourite? Pogaccia uh, has to be favourite. He's done some small Italian races, long, long way off his best. But I think... Uh, in previous years, he's like looked sort of dodgy in the earlier Italian races, and then looked very good in Lombardia. Uh, Remco and Roglic are also competing; uh, they both have a good chance. Mass will be there. He was second last year. Don't really see him being competitive. He's uh, mildly underwhelming. Um, Welter from him, but yeah, Roglic, Remco, Pagaccia. Uh, and probably Pagacha to win is 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 my analysis of it. So yeah, I don't think Jonas is going. Excellent. And that's in what two weeks time? Yeah, seventh of October, I believe. So yeah, coming up pretty soon. Right, sweet. That's when now I'll, I'll be on next with you, Rob. Nice. Look forward to it. All right. See you. Take then. care. Bye.